when I started this part of my journey, he said, I want you to proclaim Canada as a Christian nation. And I said two of the most important words in my life, which were, yes, Lord. And my purpose, especially as I'm going on this speaking tour right now, is because I want to rise up a nation of yes, Lords, of people who will understand their purpose and their value, and taking a shy little girl like me with absolutely no contacts whatsoever, but me willing to say yes, Lord. And, and so one of the very first things that came up as I was writing these letters against the legalization of marijuana is this fella in the States I'd reached out to, had uh, Cliff Kincaid, he'd said, oh, I'd like to have you on the show. Because we were talking, this was a couple of years into it. So I said, yes, Lord. <clears throat> you like this. And so we did this show together and we spoke for about an hour and I was like, oh, you know, maybe you found something there that you can air. And he says, are you kidding? I'm, I'm going to run the whole thing. And so those steps became yes, Lord. And so my first letter was to Ken Hardy, my liberal MP. And I was very naive and green back then. I'd never been political. I'm not an activist. I'm a concerned Canadian citizen who's fighting for everything that we have uh, that our founding fathers gave us. So call that what you will. And uh, so wrote, wrote to Ken Hardy. I invited people to come to his office thinking he gave a hoot and realizing that he really didn't. Neither did any of the Liberals because they were all in on this. They had an agenda and a plan. They were already working with the uh, UN, which is an unelected body interfering with our democracy. It's always my pleasure to introduce you to Tanya Gaw, the founder and leader of Action for Canada. Tanya has just recently returned from her two and a half week whirlwind speaking tour in Ontario, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia, where she had the opportunity to educate, empower and equip Canadians regarding their guaranteed rights and freedoms. The response to her talks was tremendously positive. And tonight, we're so pleased to share one of her presentations with you. So won't you please join me in watching Tanya on tour, part one of her Ingersoll, Ontario presentation. Please, will you help me in giving Tanya Gaw a very warm welcome, Tanya. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. And thanks for taking time out of your schedule to be here. I feel so blessed to have the opportunity uh, to be traveling across Canada, Ontario right now. Next, tomorrow I'm going to be in New Brunswick, then Nova Scotia a bit, and then back to Ontario. And uh, just as I go through this and see what God is doing, and uh, I'm going to start with a little bit of my testimony, but I have to start out by saying I give God all of the glory for what is transpiring here. Action for Canada is God-breathed. <laughs> There is no way this little person here could do what you're seeing on that screen. Okay, I'm not that smart and I'm not that good, <laughs> but through God and, the, and what he has blessed me with through his spirit, uh, this is what has transpired. And so 
I think how I'll start is uh, just to let you know how I got into this. So eight years ago, Justin Trudeau was running for office in 2015, and I was extremely concerned about the things that uh, he was naming on his platform. But one in particular was the legalization of marijuana and putting it in the hands of 12-year-olds. My kids were just coming out of uh, high school. Uh, my son had a couple of friends that would partake heavily in marijuana, and I, I saw what it was doing to them. And it was shifting their characters, and one of them, as he actually got older and into his 20s, he says, I wish I had never smoked pot. He says, I, it dumbed me down, and I don't feel like I've reached my full potential. You know, that's a big thing for a young man to admit. And yet, here Trudeau was wanting to put it in the hands of the 12-year-olds, and I just knew, you know, what was going to transpire because I was looking at Colorado, who had done it years before Canada, and it wasn't going well. Young kids were being, you know, uh, brought to the emergency, and there was a purpose and a plan, and I knew it had nothing to do with getting rid of those bad drug dealers, right, and getting drugs off the streets. And it was quite evident because in 2015, when Trudeau got elected, in 2016, at their first convention, what they were talking about was legalizing all hard drugs and prostitution. And you hear the rumors of that now in BC, they've legalized the hard drugs and already reports are coming out of increased deaths and uh, just really fatal and horrific situations for those who have gotten hooked on it. And what better time to do this than through COVID when everybody is filled with fear and dread and uh, division and separation. It's been a masterful plan, and then you plug euthanasia into there and made, and uh, this is a, definitely a government and a culture of death. And the enemy hates life. So we're, he hates life and he hates creation. And so we're going to remember that as we go through this. And so for anybody that knew me when I was really young, I have a sister that's two years older. She went to drama, and, you know, she loved being on stage, and she was a real character. I have a twin brother who's 45 minutes older. They had no idea that I was coming into the world, none whatsoever. My, <laughs> my mom was really big, and, you know, they'd measure tummy and say, well, it's a really big tummy, and, and uh, you know, ultrasounds back then. And so uh, 45 minutes later, I'm, I'm born. Both my brother and I had a little distress when we were born, but it's like, grab another box with pink on it. That's how they brought us home in boxes <laughs> back then. That's how old I am. And, and so it's just really incredible incredible, right? When I look back at the beginning of what the Lord had in mind, and I have this little complex that I don't know if it's because maybe I was hidden in the womb, but I feel like people don't know me or recognize me. And it's been this complex like my whole life, but also I've been painfully shy. And so I'm telling you this part of it because God had to remove all of this from me in order to use me. And so I remember uh, almost 30 years ago, the pastor that I'd gone to my whole life going to church, he'd done a call. And he said, for those of you, I had my, my little daughter in my hands and my son was just two. And he said, I want you to stand if you want to commit everything to the Lord. And I hated change. I, I like to do things, uh, you know, according to the rules. And I love the Lord. And what happened after that, I stood up. And very shortly after that, the Lord took me by the ankles and changed everything. He took everything that was familiar and lovely in my life. And boy, oh boy, that was the beginning of a very difficult journey. 
But I always remember that the Lord had always in the Bible and everything said, be thankful in all things. And I don't even think shyness is of the Lord. I kind of think it's of the enemy because then you're hiding all those gifts and talents under a rock or under a blanket. And so as life went along and as uh, those 20 years unfolded that proceeded after that, uh, you know, there was a lot of death in my family and a lot of tragedy, accidents, surgeries, and the rest of it. Many of you have a story in here, right? It's taking that diamond in the rough and, and it's working it and it's making it shine. And so it's usable. But along the way, we have to be also saying, thank you, Lord, I don't understand any of this. Even crying on the ground like a big baby. (laughs) I've had those moments and point my finger at the Lord in desperation of what, but always keeping my focus in one direction. And as I moved through all of this, it was literally 20 years and all of a sudden the Lord lifted it about 10 years ago. And um, shortly after that, eight years ago, I had maybe 12 people on my email list I was on Facebook, but my kids had to help me use it. I was, had no interest in taking pictures of my food and posting it. I had no cell phone. I didn't get a cell phone till 2019 March when the Lord called me to go out and meet with Maxime Bernier. He had a new party, and I want a little bit of a say to see if I could influence some of the things he was going to talk about, right, in his party platform. And one of them was on abortion. And, one, and the other was on the radical LGBTQ, the radical Islam rising in Canada, the military and the destruction of uh, our military in Canada and our defenses. And we had just an amazing conversation because a good friend of mine happened to know him and he spent 45 minutes with us and I gave him all these little packages. <laughs> and at that time, I, you know, address it like, how are you feeling about these issues? And he said, we were talking about sex selective abortion. Who knows what sex selective abortion is? All right. All right, so we got a lot of immigrants coming into the country that don't value girls. And so they'll have ultrasounds done and they'll actually purposely abort girls. And when you think about my story of how I came into this world, I always say, can you imagine if they only wanted my brother? I mean, what a shame for Canada that would be, right? (laughs) That's just a joke. I'm not so shy anymore. (laughs) But you know, my point is what I'm saying. There's value in each and every one of us. And God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes in the womb. He formed us before time began. We all are special. And if anybody tells you anything otherwise, they're not your friend. Tell them to take a walk and find new friends. All right? Uh, The trans whole agenda. Okay, there is no child with the wrong sex. There's no such thing as trans. They were born special in their, and formed in their mother's womb. And God has a purpose and a plan for them. Remember I said that the enemy hates creation. That's why he's going after the womb of women right now, right? And trying to have these ridiculous clown men dressed as drag, and we're all supposed to embrace that. No way, Jose. (laughs) No way. I'm not doing it. Okay, so then the Lord asked me when I started this part of my journey, he said, I want you to proclaim Canada as a Christian nation. And I said two of the most important words in my life, which were, yes, Lord. And my purpose especially as I'm going on this speaking tour right now, is because I want to rise up a nation of yes lords, a people who will understand their purpose and their value, and taking a shy little girl like me with absolutely no context whatsoever, but me willing to say yes, Lord. And, and so one of the very first things that came up as I was writing these letters against the legalization of marijuana is this fella in the States I'd reached out to had uh, Cliff Kincaid. He'd said, oh, I'd like to have you on the show. 
because we were talking. This was a couple years into it. So I said, yes, Lord. <clears throat> You're like this. And so we did this show together and we spoke for about an hour and I was like, oh, you know, maybe you found something there that you can air. And he says, are you kidding? I'm, I'm going to run the whole thing. And so those steps became yes, Lord. And so my first letter was to Ken Hardy, my liberal MP. And I was very na naive and green back then. I'd never been political. I'm not an activist. I'm a concerned Canadian citizen who's fighting for everything that we have uh, that our founding fathers gave us. So call that what you will. And uh, so Roy wrote to Ken Hardy, I invited people to come to his office thinking he gave a hoot and realizing that he really didn't. Neither did any of the Liberals because they were all in on this. They had an agenda and a plan. They were already working with the uh, UN, which is an unelected body interfering with our democracy. Okay, they have no right. I don't care what medical declaration they're going to make. I go, why are you panicking? They're an unelected body. And if anything is in violation of our constitution, I'm going to go over that because I really, part of this is like you're going to go to a little bit of a university course right now. So get comfortable. Okay, buckle up because I'm going to try to go through this as quickly as possible, but as well to educate you because the biggest thing that has been the downfall of this nation in the last three and a half years was for a lack of knowledge. For a lack of knowledge, they will perish. All right, so we have to become knowledgeable. And that's one of the things that Action for Canada has been doing since the onset. So I had said, yes, Lord, and I kept moving forward, and I was doing these calls to action campaign, and I write, send them bravely, courageously to the 12 people on my email list. How many, <laughs> right, how many of you feel like you've got information, and it's like, oh, man, I have people I'd like to send this to, but you don't. Okay, you can't not do this. You have to have the courage. You send it and let them make up their mind. If they choose not to talk to you right now, you have planted a seed that could change their lives and the future of this nation. All right, so don't let that stop you from doing the yes, Lord, and just being obedient and trying. Do it, do it wisely, right, when you think about this. And so my list started to grow. I'd send them and they'd say, Tanya, we can't do the research or write like you. Or uh, you know, I say, that's okay. Just sign mine and send it. Then I'd get a list of all of the, um, sorry, I got my tech guy that sometimes stays on. I just got a sometimes. Okay. Good stuff. I'm sorry. He's doing a live and I just want to make sure that other people are part of that. All right, so I started to send it out and got lists of the uh, MPs, making it as easy as possible. So that list began to grow from 12 to 20 to 50. I was like, I got 50 people on my email. Next thing you know, after the years, uh, going after Bill C-16, the bathroom bill, allowing biological men into women and children's bathrooms. And that was where they changed the federal human rights code to include gender expression and gender identity. But they'd already done it at the provincial level pretty much in every province. Trudeau was just walking this catwalk thinking he was really cool doing, you know, all of this social justice. But the uh, premiers were passing them. I'll give you an example. In 2016, Premier Clark in British Columbia, she amended the human rights code to include gender expression and gender identity as a protected class. My first thing is, how can you take an ideology and make it a human rights? Because that's what this is. All right, there's no such thing as trans, there's no such thing as being in the wrong body. 
right? There is confusion, there are mental disorders, there are things that need to be taken care of. Most of these people have trauma in their lives and abuse, and it needs to be dealt with. But the individuals behind this, I believe, they're taking their adult sexual proclivities, however that came to be, and, and they are putting them on others because they're trying to rationalize it, the battle within themselves. And if they can normalize this, if they can normalize these sexual proclivities and their shame that goes along with it, then they'll be okay. It doesn't matter that they destroy uh, society and, and the natural family. It's all about them and what's going on in this system. And there, of course, is the rise of sexual deviancy throughout history, which is a great spiritual darkness when a country has let go of the reins over to evil rather than care about and who they actually elect into office. What are their values and principles? Now, as Luann said, what she had said, I'll repeat it, is that Canada is a Judeo-Christian nation inherited through our British Commonwealth. It forms our laws and our values. All right, it's in our Magna Carta, and uh, it is a system of governance that sets us apart from totalitarian extremist and communist regimes, giving us the freedom to believe or not to believe without fear of persecution, oppression, or even death. At least that's the way it used to be. Are there people being oppressed in Canada now? Are we a free nation? All right. But we, we, we've been given a free nation, but now we've got to fight for this freedom. And when people, I'll do this in a mixed crowd, if there's immigrants here from other uh, belief systems, and I'll say, okay, you feel challenged with this, I'm going to challenge you. Think about the 56 Islamic majority countries, Pakistan, North Korea, China, they have a different system of belief. They don't, they don't, no matter what they say about this one world religion, we don't serve the same God. Theirs is a small G-O-D. We have a capital G-O-D God. And he formed the heavens and the earth and all that's in it. And it's very evident to me, because when I look at these other nations, would any of you want to permanently move to any of the nations I just named? Please raise your hand. Oh, come on. There's got to be one of you. You don't want to move over there? Really? All right. So why is it that the UN is telling all Western nations that we need to shift and that our sovereignty doesn't matter? Are they going into one of the Islamic nations where there's wonderful people that live in these nations, but they live under oppression and they're coming to Canada because they like what freedom looks like, but are they willing to give up what they need to in order to come to Canada to support what freedom is founded on in these Western nations? It's not just a coincidence that the greatest countries under attack right now are New Zealand, Australia, Europe, UK, America, Canada, because they hate our belief system because of what it's founded on. And you cannot have freedom and democracy. I'm sorry, you can't have it without faith. That's what I'm seeing when I take a look at the other nations. And if we think critically, it's not, it's not to discriminate against who they are. If that's what you like, live that life. The other truth is that we are not a multicultural nation. How many of you are aware of that? All right. We're not a multicultural nation. We're a nation with many cultures. There is a big difference. We are a Christian nation. Are we a secular nation? No, the governments want to tell you that, Mulroney and uh, Pierre, Elliott, Pierre Elliott Trudeau and the rest of them, because they hate creation and they're trying to bring in communism. Trudeau, when he came into office, said we're a post-national state with no core identity. Did you know that? 
And you cannot succeed, you cannot thrive, you cannot be a nation with no core identity. So he thinks we're a bunch of fools and that we're going to accept that as he replaces it with communism. You have to have some sort of system of belief from which you're founded on. So my challenge to everybody, and this is, I, I was in a room with Muslims the other day, and I'm challenging them, what do you want to live by? Do you want to live by communism and globalism, or will you accept that this is a nation founded on good biblical Christian princip uh, principles? To me, it's a no-brainer. To the person who is trans or LGBTQ, it should be a no-brainer. Would they like, right now, what is Trudeau got? He's got the LGBTQ train or something like that, the trans train, inviting all the trans and LGBTQ people to come to Canada for safety. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's on the website. Okay, well, why don't we ask them what's wrong with the 56 Islamic majority countries? Pakistan, North Korea, China, why don't you want to live there? If this is such a horrible nation and our foundation is so bad and you have been able to live here and, and, and live in what if your depravity or your lifestyle or whatever it is, and now you're beefing to us and calling us the haters while we're loving you enough to speak the truth to try to protect what is keeping you alive and well, that's a knock in the teeth. All right. So as I'm doing all of this work pre-COVID, COVID wasn't our problem, pre-COVID was. Okay, Bill C-16 bathroom bill, then motion M-103, the Islamophobia uh, bill. Motion, sorry, it's not a bill. It's just a motion. So that you can't criticize Islam. But we're not talking about moderate Muslims here. All right? Because wherever moderate Muslims come, the radical Islamists come because they want world domination. And they are a threat. And the West and, and Islam have never been able to live at peace together. Look at history. And we're fooling ourselves if we think they can. And then we got Khalistani Sikhs coming in. We got these beautiful, wonderful Sikh neighbors. But nobody is even expected to learn the language. And now we're hearing about white privilege and racism. And our kids are being taught critical race theory. I have a Filipino friend from grade six. I have Chinese friends. My God does not care about the color of anybody's skin. He cares about the condition of the heart and mind. So this is a spiritual battle, right? And they're trying to cause all this division and divide. And it's Tanya, you know, maybe you should be uniting with Muslims. And maybe you should be uniting with gays against groomers. They've come out. I'm like, where were they five years ago or four years ago or three years ago helping on the front lines of this battle? I appreciate they're here, but I don't want to know anybody's tribe. I want you to show up on the front lines as a Canadian. That's what will unite us. We are a Christian organization, but anybody is welcome to join Action for Canada if they believe in what we're doing. And so when God was calling me to proclaim Canada as a Christian nation, and then I went through all the writing campaigns and the calls to action, I got to about 500 people, and in 2019, people were saying, more people need to hear about what you're doing. And I was like, I was with another organization for a little while and it wasn't working out uh, because the fellow was struggling with some things. And in March of 2019, the Lord had called on us to um, have Action for Canada founded. So we put the paperwork in and in June of 2019, all of a sudden I started to think, okay, we were uh, against Bill C-75 as well, which was going on. And that was softening the crimes against sexual predators. Things were shifting, getting ready for what we're facing today. And then I started to really realize about how evil the people are that we're up against. And now I was going to have an organization. And so I started thinking about a little bit of a, of a fear thing. Okay, what about my kids? 
What about my family? What about my home? And so I was praying about it one day and I said, Lord, I really need to hear from you on this. And this is what he gave me. And I opened my Bible to it. It's Jeremiah 1, 18 and 19. He said to me, for behold, I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, and against its people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Amen. All right. Thank you, Lord. So I say I kind of got up at that moment, and I just kind of brushed my knees off. And I said, okay, let's do this. <laughs> and a month later, and sorry, in August, uh, it was registered officially as a not-for-profit organization. I do not walk in fear. I'm not worried about sending an email out. I'm not worried about calling these corrupt uh, individuals murderers, thieves, dictators, because that's what they are. And they're hurting Canadians. Okay, so in the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, I'm just going to get that basis for us to say, yes, this is a Christian nation. And this shouldn't offend anybody. And there should be no knee-jerk reaction that we feel, are you saying that out loud, Tanya? We're secular, we're multicultural, you're going to offend somebody. Well, there's a spirit of offense going across this nation, and I'm speaking into it. That is not from God either, Right? We have a right to protect our borders. It's biblical. And so whereas Canada is founded upon principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. I talked about, uh, okay, how many of you know the coronation oath? Who knows what the coronation oath is? Whew, I keep saying everywhere I go, man, it's a good thing I'm out here talking about these things. So David Lindsay introduced it to me years ago, and I call it a buried treasure that needs to be resurrected. The coronation oath is a living, breathing document, and the monarch needs to, every time they come into um, monarchy, what's, what's the proper name for that? They need to sign the coronation oath. So Queen Elizabeth had committed to it, and she had a really long run, and uh, she had signed it. And then David and I were talking before King Charles signed it. And because he was talking about doing multi-religions that would be all different faiths would be uh, acceptable to bring into the coronation oath. And we're like, absolutely no way, because this is to rule over all uh, Western nations. And so he was asked, will you, to the utmost of your power, maintain the laws of God and the true profession of the gospel? Will you, will you, to the utmost of your power, maintain in the United Kingdom the Protestant reform religion established by law? Will you maintain and preserve inviolably the settlement of the Church of England and the doctrine, worship, discipline, and government thereof as by law established in England? All right? So this is for all, the whole Commonwealth. They have committed that Canada would be governed by biblical principles, Protestant biblical principles. All right, so let's just go one step further. What are our biblical principles to govern this land? You shall not commit murder, adultery, you shall not steal or give fault witness. There's another really important one. There's many more. There's a few more there, but it, what's the other one? Like you will honor your mother and father. And it's the only one with a promise that it will go well with you. No, I like participation. <laughs> it will go well with you. How has Trudeau respected, has he respected our elderly in the last three and a half years? It's been a genocide. It's been cruel. I mean, treating them worse than the worst convicted criminal in jail. 
and you look at pretty much everything else on here, and this government is not respecting biblical principles by which the oath was given and by which they must, 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 must govern this country. Must. <laughs> Deuteronomy 28.15 says, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees, I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Is our land cursed right now? Yes. What do you think that is? Right. We turned our back on God and his perfect plan for this nation, what our founding fathers gave to us. They gifted us with this freedom based on biblical principles. And these aren't tough principles to live by, really. But they become rampant. We are the only developed Western nation, developed nation, that doesn't have an abortion law. So we're sacrificing our children. We opened that door. Then we opened it up to same-sex marriage and sexual deviancy does not have a limit. And so it progressed as it had planned. And I'll show you as that goes. They didn't just have a plan to, you know, have equal rights. There were those behind this that had a much deeper, darker plan. And eventually all of this sexual deviancy always targets our children because we've put them on the altar of Baal. All right. And our kids are paying a high price right now. We better get ahead of this. And, and throughout all of this, that's why I say get comfortable because it's gonna, it'll go a little faster on the second half of this. Uh, but I really want you to understand what's going on in our country right now, what our rights are and what our responsibilities are. So section 52.1 of the Constitution Act says the Constitution of Canada is what? The supreme law of Canada. And any law that is inconsistent with the provisions of the Constitution to the extent of the inconsistency is of no force or effect. So is same-sex marriage a biblical principle? It needs to be revoked and overturned according to the coronation oath. Okay, even according to the Constitution Act right here. All right, I can go down a list of things that Trudeau has passed in these last years since he's been in office. Even um, Harper. Don't think that Harper was a friend of ours. We'll get into that a little bit as well. He, was, he, he passed some of the sustainability uh, goals. He didn't elect senators when he had an opportunity who would have been against this whole LGBTQ trans because I have word from the inside uh, firsthand that he was going to wait till after he got elected to appoint these people because he wanted to go along with this program, but he thought that he would lose votes. But he lost to Trudeau anyways, and Trudeau was more than happy to put independent senators in there. The whole Senate needs to be abolished. It's useless. It is not the chamber of sober second thought. Okay, so giving you a quick update, uh, just to step away from that for a minute. Uh, there are some naysayers out on the internet uh, that really don't have much of a platform, but they love to attack Rocco Action for Canada, Vaccine Choice Canada, and a few others. And these people have uh, uh, spread some vicious lies about us, that we haven't been transparent with the funds, that our case has gone nowhere, that it's been dismissed and the rest of it. So we are taking legal action against the BC and federal government. Vaccine Choice Canada is taking action against the Ontario government and the uh, federal government. And they had already filed their notice of civil claim back in uh, July of 2020. Soon as that happened, the government of Ontario, Ford, they had overturned the mask mandate. And a lot of people don't know that. But just by filing, you already have some successes. There was no mandates for vaccines. There still isn't. 
It's these tyrannical little business owners or the health department all working for who this unelected body oversees. And so people have been duped and fooled and deceived. And so there's been criticism that their case isn't going forward. Well, how do you go forward with a case where the platform was it to get rid of the mandated vaccines and the masks when they're actually not mandated? And besides that, there was never, ever, they can't mandate masks. They can't force you to. They cannot legislate. There's no law in Canada saying that you can, you have to wear a mask through all of this. I've never worn a mask. Okay. You can't legislate against breathing freely. It doesn't help any elderly or our children or anybody else. It was to see how many slaves they had at the beginning. How many people would comply? Who do we have control over? The masses, unfortunately. So our legal action, ours is going forward. The judge struck our, the size of it. It was 391 pages, but we strategically did that on purpose because we wanted everything documented in the courts. And we succeeded in that last August. And we're going to be filing a new NOCC very shortly. But in the fall, I also put through an appeal. Rocco filed an appeal because the judge tried to take important parts of our case and strike them, saying, you know, they're irrelevant, but they were important parts of our case. And now we should have had an appeal by June, and they're dragging the heels and the defendants, so now we're looking at into the fall or December. So we're going to have, uh, you know, our, our day in court, and we are proceeding. But we're up against tremendous evil people. And this is a marathon, not a sprint. And, and so we're in it to win it. <laughs> That's what I say. All right? And when I was on, again, my belly before the Lord, I've done a couple of those back in 2020, taking, having Rocco be, uh, you know, the attorney or counsel to oversee this. I was like, you know, thinking all of what many people do, the courts are corrupt and DTD. Because I'm like, do I raise all of this money? It was outside of my comfort zone. I stretched a lot. I've sacrificed a lot to do this, as have a lot of other people. And so um, being on the front lines of this one, the Lord said, just have faith. He says, there, he says I want you to pursue justice in the court, and I'm going to meet you there. <laughs> Can you imagine, you guys? You guys are all probably in your head. It's like, really, Tanya? That's what I heard. And so far, if you look at Action for Canada and see what he does, I feel these nudges from the Holy Spirit do this. It's kind of like that. You know, when I look back, there was only one foot, one set of footsteps, and the Lord was carrying me. And he doesn't show me by a nudge what is going to happen in six months. But I go, man, that was good. That was a good idea. And I just faithfully took that step. And I'm going to continue to do that. And I'm going to continue to have faith that however it is, God is con in control of all of this. And uh, you know what? Justin Trudeau as well, he told me he's going to be the first prime minister removed from, from office. And it was like a, an audible voice. And I'm just like, absolutely, Lord. That was back, and I always wish I'd put the date down. It was like in 2008, 17 or 18, after a few years of Trudeau, and I really saw the writing on the wall, and I was like, what's the matter with Canadians? His hair isn't that nice, right? He's like repulsive, stop. And so 2019 came along, and we lobbied really hard with other groups, and we got a minority government, and we're like, yes, but, you know, even Ken Hardy got reelected. And I'm sitting there going, but Lord, you said. And he said to me right away, I'm not done with my people. In Canada, 
they haven't suffered. They still want their boat and their cottage and their whatever else, and they're not focused. They don't care about who they're electing into office. They don't really care about their values. They're not willing to step up and run for office themselves. And so normally you have a minority government, you get two, two years. And so again, in 2021, I just woke up the next morning and I said, wow, you know, Canadians are a sucker for punishment. But here we are. But this is how it happens, right? When a nation turns their back on God, we need faith and we do need God in our land. And even if you're sitting here today and saying, Tanya, I didn't come to be preached to today. I just really need you to be impacted by the fact that even if you're an unbeliever, that God loves you and he cares about you and he gives you, you know, the right to have free will. But what I want you to see is the benefit of living in a Christian nation. I want you to find value in that at the very least when you walk out these doors today. All right, so now I'm going to start moving along into a little more of the meat and potatoes of what it is that Action for Canada is doing. So when all of this happened in uh, one more thing I think is really precious I'm going to tell you, and that's why, again, I'm, I'm actually going to bring up the map when I do this. So I, I decided to retain uh, Rocco, and I was trying to unsuccessfully raise some money through that summer. And so September 14th, in uh, 2020 is when I was going up the stairs at the art gallery in Vancouver. Ted Koontz was there. They already had their action and they were going to partner with me, but, but they didn't end up. So Ted was helping to announce it. And he says, come on up, Tanya. And so I'm like, shaky, 4,000 people, never spoke in front of people before. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we're going to take on this legal action. And the whole crowd, you can imagine the relief they wanted. They're cheering. And I says, but we can't do this without you. And, and so this guy is waving cash behind me. And I'm like, inside, I'm going, I don't think I can take money at a rally. And so I wasn't grabbing for it. And they're like, take it. And so I finally, I, out of a step of obedience, I grabbed it. And all of a sudden, it was this release. People started coming up the stairs and started, if you see the video on my website, I started to cry. Nobody knows what I'd gone through for months. And this little girl comes up and waves three $5 bills in her hand. So then it started to go a little more and people are like, pass a hat and then pass a box. And I came home with $14,000 cash that day. <laughs> All right. But the day before God had asked me, I had my little speech ready. You see a page blow away and my little handshake. And, and he had said, but I want you to do something. I was going to pray. He says, but I want you to ask people to take a knee and repent and to read second Chronicles. Okay, remember I was shy and 4,000 people and up first time and yes, Lord. And, and so I said, I read Second Chronicles, but I thought people need to know why. A lot of people were like, oh, I didn't do nothing wrong. It's a bad government. <laughs> you know, I didn't do this. But I said, if you allowed what's going on in our schools today, and even back then, people were like, oh, you racist and calling me names. And, uh, but at this crowd, I said, then you have reason to repent today. And I had about four points written down. And then I said, if you feel like you have reason to pray today, take a knee with me. And when you look at the video, a huge number of the crowd in this wave went to their knees. And then I got down on my knee and I prayed with them. And when I was down, I was so filled with the awe and glory of the Lord. And But I saw a crack in the edifice of evil in Vancouver that day. And I saw this wave from sea to sea go across the country. And look at this map. 
And so God, every step of the way, you know, this is what I get goosebumps. I hope you got goosebumps, not because it's chilly, but I just want you to know that, you know, I believe in what the Lord is doing in this nation and that he's fully, perfectly in control of it all. And so I took my calls to action and I've been doing them ever since. And I want them to be in 10 minutes because people don't have a lot of time or attention span. You can dive into everything I do and you can spend hours on it if you want. But otherwise you can send it in 10 minutes. You'll know more about C40 cities and 15 minute cities or climate change when you take a look at an action. And then I bring an expert on my empower hour every Wednesday night and they come and they educate you. And then we post it on. And, and so uh, the summer movie marathon is so that I could come out. Mickey Willis allowed me to play the whole pandemic series every Empower Hour for the next few weeks. And that gave me time to step away because every single day I'm writing notices of liability, letters against to ban, uh, what was it down here? There's a couple of... Um, okay, ban uh, non-governmental and special interest group flags. And we have chapter leader meetings. Our chapters, they get vetted. We have provincial leaders. We have a national chapter leader coordinator. None of our chapter leaders are slipping through the cracks. They're vetted. Yes, our chapter leaders are Bible-believing Christians. But anybody else can join. Okay, because we were infiltrated, I'm sorry, but with the New Age last year, and we shut everything down and built up our infrastructure and administration, and I'm telling, I'm sorry, but that's a nasty bunch of people. They're all about love, as long as everybody's agreeing with that particular people. And I see that real love is coming from the Christian community, because I say, bless them. And, and so this letter, we posted it with our chapter leaders. We meet every single Monday, and we go over strategy. And I say, okay, I've written this new letter. It was back in May. And I said, start pumping out to have our mayor, city council, school board trustees, and principals. We have a duty of state neutrality in our country. Are you aware of that? It's a Supreme Court ruling. Our public spaces must be neutral. They cannot have LGBTQ pride crosswalks, flags. They can't have the paraphernalia in the public schools. They cannot have this. It's a duty of straight neutrality. So we were getting success stories already in by the end of May, beginning of June, cities that did not, after receiving this letter and the information on the legal aspect of it, they did not fly the pride flag. And uh, so that's huge. Okay, so I want to just mention Pastor Arta Pulowski. We put a petition out for him in support. We're going after the Attorney General. Uh, this is nonsense that he has been uh, charged with eco-terrorism and uh, committing, inciting uh, mischief. Uh, it, he's an innocent man, 100% completely innocent. So if you haven't signed the petition, go onto our webpage. You can easily access this under weekly, but in other sections, we have a petition section. We try to put things in several places so you can easily find it. I Just before I uh, came out, I finally finished the notice of liability against drag queens and events. This is a fantastic, powerful document. Start printing it off and getting it to into the hands of principals across this nation. And that's the beauty of what our chapters do. As soon as we, uh, you know, have anything new, any kind of new campaign, it's like, poof, a unified body. 
all doing the same thing. I love it there's other groups out there, but unless you're a coalition and unified working together, and because of it, the uh, Canadian Federation of Library Associations, we did one against the uh, SOGI in the books last year, and our team started to file them nationwide. The CFLA all of a sudden starts getting from the public libraries these notices of liability. So the CFLA on their homepage starts talking about Action for Canada and our NOLs. They double down for support of the LGBTQ, and then I say publicly, thank you very much. You have just shown that you, you support the sexualization of our children. Same with the BC government. You serve them the notice of liability, and one day when that justice is coming in the courts, we can say you were warned. And an NOL is not a legal document. What it is, it's a document telling the person being served that what you're doing is either causing harm or illegal. And regarding COVID and the jabs, it was both. Regarding the SOGI and the wind sex ed, it's both. It's causing harm and it is unlawful to sexualize our children. So there's a lot of great information on this page. Uh, you can go here if you know people that are in New Brunswick or Nova Scotia, share my schedule with them. All right, I talked about Pastor uh, Arthur. That one I'm not quite sure. Here we go, I had that up. Sorry, I didn't have Wi-Fi earlier. And I told you about the NOL, so I'm just going to keep moving along. All right, everything that I'm going to talk to you about for the next while under current issues, it seems like our website is like, oh my goodness, I'm so confused when I go on there. But it really, once you start to navigate it, and that's why I don't want to do a PowerPoint, I want to actually get you on our website. So we have all the different issues, climate change, the 15-minute cities I'll briefly talk about, political Islam. I wrote a port report called The Rise of Political Islam back in 2018. And if you see this report, it is the minority of the population committing the majority of the crime. It shows you the explanatory memorandum by the uh, Muslim Brotherhood who had said, we're going to enter your miserable house from within and take over. There are approximately at least 12 uh, Muslim Brotherhood reported MPs in the Liberal Party. The previous uh, right-hand guy to Aaron O'Toole was reported to be Muslim Brotherhood and said it himself. There's a lot of things going on. Now, you know what? If the 56 Islamic majority countries, China, Pakistan, all of them, if they told me that they had Christians sitting in government, I would say, okay, well, this could be fair or reasonable, but they don't. We're the only ones, the Western nations, that are allowing people who don't support our foundation to get into government positions at all level of government to push their agenda. Daniel Smith in Alberta, right before the election, she approved Sharia banking. That's Islamic law. Sharia banking is part of Islamic law. Sharia banking is already taking place in Ontario. I don't have anything against the Muslims or the Sikhs or this, but they have to respect they're coming into Canada. When my mom and dad, my dad's from England, my mom is from the Netherlands. She had four older brothers and my grandma. They had nothing. Their house was blown up. My mom lost all of her teeth in her teens because they didn't have proper nutrition through the war. She was assaulted, abused. My dad came from England. He had a grade six education when he came here and he got himself through to grade 12, became an electrician, electrical contractor, and he helped build this country along with my mom and all the other people that came well before, you know, the people that are immigrating right now. And my mom and dad never received a penny from the government. Not a penny. So don't talk to me about white privilege. All right? I remember growing up and having skim milk and spam and the rest of it. Okay? Builds character. Okay? I taught my kids these things too. Right? Because I want them to be well-rounded in life. This is only meant to divide us. 
as now these kids sit who were once best friends in class at grade six, seven, eight years old, and they start talking about white privilege or people having different skin colors. And I always say, my God, I think I've said it, does not care about the color of our skin. He cares about the condition of our heart and mind. All right, so for those of you who are living well across Canada, I know some of you are very concerned about the supplements. This group has popped up, Save Our Supplements. I just promote them when I'm doing my tour right now because I think what they've got a postcard to send to your MLA MP saying, this has got to stop to your MP, I guess. So look them up, really easy. Just about the marijuana and how it's harming children. Uh, who knows what UNDRIP is? Okay, this is the United Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. This is not about, well, they've changed it from uh, Native Indians to Indigenous people because as if they have all these land rights. I don't buy into the word Indigenous. I don't want to use it. All right? The Natives immigrated to, to Canada as well. Um, I'm going to be having some people on my show in the Empower Hour in um, September, hopefully, who are going, we're going to dive into this. This is a very dangerous program. Again, why is the government of Canada going along with UNDRIP? That's a UN initiative. And they're doing it because the WEF has said, you will have nothing and be happy. What do you, if you have nothing, do you have land, do you own property? Exactly. So now, isn't it an evil and a sinister plan to say this? You guys were invaders. You colonial, all the colonialism. How awful of you to come in and how the indigenous Indian, Indian people were treated. But I want to say, I've talked to people who are in the care of, uh, taking care of children, where children are removed from homes. And in a hundred years, will people be trying to get into office, blaming the individuals, now it'll be of all colors, because we're all here now, taking and having to remove small children off of reserves right now, because of the tremendous drug use and abuse that's going on there. A lady was telling me two little children were moved in the middle of winter who were walking through the reserve in their diapers. This is a sadness to me. It's a sadness for anybody. But what this has done, uh, there's two ways when you give people something for nothing. Okay, the example is on the reserves of all the hundreds of millions of billions of dollars that people have paid in tax dollars over all the years. Are the Indians thriving? Okay, there are some who are, but the people on the reserves, this is, this is not a good situation for them. The other example is Justin Trudeau, who's gotten a whole lot for nothing. He hasn't had to earn any of all of this, you know, it, it was inherited. You, people need the pride of working and earning something. And yes, at times they need help. People come across dire straits and hard times. But this is really, we're not doing a service. The Indian Act needs to be dissolved. The government, they don't understand in UNDRIP, they've become wards of the states. And Rocco had represented a couple of chiefs in, in because BC has already passed UNDRIP. So to the land rights, you know, the unceded territories. So when we go to school board meetings, when we go and present delegations, I get up there and I say, I thank God and God alone for the ground that I'm standing on. And then I start whatever it is that I have to say. I want to break this curse over the land. And why is the UN not going to the Islamic majority countries prior to the Crusades? Everybody always wants to say how horrible the Christians were and murdered all of these is, is Muslims back in the Crusades. But they forget the 400 years that uh, was before it, where the Islamists were coming into Christian nations, raping, pillaging, and murderous, and coming in and taking. There were no treaties being signed. War is a horrible thing. 
But the Europeans who came in and created a commonwealth didn't come in in war, right? They came in doing negotiating. And, and this is what we get for it. They had, there was multiple tribes across Canada, and I had uh, lunch with uh, Chief Kenny Blackwell uh, several years ago. I was with Laura Lynn, and I was having lunch, and he happened to be sitting next to me, and we were having this conversation. And I said, yeah, but there were so many tribes, and they hadn't created any kind of government or leadership. They were all infighting. In, in uh, San Francisco, they actually got scalpels, like, you know, like in a museum. And he said, yeah. And he says, you know what? They still are today. The, the, they're not united. So all of this, and my call is out to Indigenous people, is you're being used as pawns so that land rights will be taken away. They're signing secret documents on the island in BC, and I'm sure everywhere else, that now people who own homes are basically visitors on that land, right under our noses. So I'm going to be doing things to address this, but I want you to understand the knee-jerk reaction that the government, we're good people. We are loving people. We are sympathetic people. And the knee-jerk reaction is to manipulate us to always uh, go to our, our, our sense of uh, goodness. All right? Love is love. We should uh, you know, accept the LGBTQ. But we knew that there was a bigger plan behind all of that. Okay, so when they're talking, does Justin Trudeau, we got to think critically, does he care about the indigenous people in this country? In eight years, are they in a better situation than they were? Okay, so do we really think UNDRIP is for the good of these people? They are being used as pawns, and I care about them I can tell you more than the Liberal government does. And so we need to put a stop to this because this is part of the WEF's agenda to tear down our borders and to give our land away for them to take over and have control of all land. All right? Land acknowledgement from the United Church of Canada. They were also responsible when I was speaking in Bowmanville the other day for having a meeting with the LGBTQ and then calling on a protest the United Church called on a protest of the church that I was at, saying that we were um, hateful and uh, unloving, etc. Okay, and then this is just an example of what's coming. The land you are on, a 1% tax at a grocery store in BC. I don't know if that was voluntary, but again, this is all part of the UNDRIP, and people think they're social justice, they're do-gooders by getting behind this. Because they say about how the indigenous people were treated so badly a hundred years ago, 150 years ago. We weren't there. I know that Christian people came into this land to have a better life and get away from what was going on in Europe 150 plus years ago. Good Christian people. I can't imagine, and I'm not saying that bad things didn't happen, right? We know that it does. But what about what happened to my mom? One in four women are sexually abused. There is a lot of things that are going on, a lot of hurting people. The LGBTQ are not the only individuals that have hard times. The indigenous people are not the only ones. But the government wants to victimize them to keep them under his thumb. And I want to encourage them to be all that they can be. This is wrong, and we've got to stand up and call it out. Okay, so now I'll swiftly go through our, our notices of liability we start pumping out in the spring of 2020. I got criticism about them, and again, I've explained to you what they are, and we got masks off of children. I hate to say it, for parents who were brave enough to use them, 
They would go into the school and say, here's a notice of liability. It's illegal to force my child to wear a mask. They're useless. We gave all of the information in here from medical professionals, true medical professionals, to say this was causing harm, and even psychologically and communication-wise, what it would do to our kids. This is abuse. And when I still see parents, you know, with their children in masks, it makes me, you know, very upset. And so from this, we have gone then to, uh, for employees, we have had with David Lindsay, he wrote the only book in Canada on how to lay private information, that's legal uh, criminal charges against another Canadian citizen. It's not woobie-joobie common law or any like that, it's official. And so we did webinars with people, and then in uh, early 2022, we started to file criminal charges on behalf of employees who were completely ready, had served the notice of liability, had served other information, they had uh, correspondence with their employers, they had all the evidence to show that they were being intimidated and extorted, which are criminal code offenses. And there is no time frame on that. And so we started to get to court. Some of them took place here in Ontario. And in April of last year, the judges, these spineless judges, were, were, were um, putting, adjourning them. Because if you proceed with a case like this, saying an employer was committing extortion, intimidation, and against employee, uh, convincing them or forcing them to take the jab or not have a job, what's that going to say for Trudeau and Tam and the rest of these criminals? All right, their time is coming, and we're going to continue to uh, press in. So we moved to that. We moved to the elected officials. And then as well, uh, this is one of the reasons why this, this uh, example I'm going to give you, this is one of the reasons why we are serving the notice of liability uh, against 15-minute cities and against the uh, SOGI and drag queens and stuff like that going on in the school in the wind sex ed. Wind sex ed is SOGI just by another name. So... We had served, as soon as I had the elected official ones, we did a campaign in BC where we served every school board superintendent about the vaccines, saying you're not a medical professional, this is illegal and lawful, DTT, if you read the notice of liability, just to educate yourself, do that. Well, by August of 2021, a couple of months later, their association comes out and said, hey, if you got that notice of liability, don't you worry about it because you're immune under Section 94.1 uh, of the BC School Act. All of you will have a school act with immune, uh, where they're immune or not immune from liability and saying that you're immune from liability. So one of our people, uh, teammates, they ended up going in there and they noticed Section 94.2 and 4 showed when they were. However, right? You are not immune from liability if you've committed tort, and they named a couple of other criminal uh, situations. So the Minister of Education, we filed our NOCC as well in August. She was listed as one of our defendants. And so when all of this was transpiring, she decided for whatever reason not, maybe the notice of liability, she's now, she's now stepped down as well, maybe because she was worried about liability, personal liability. What if... This goes to the courts. Canadians are not big, huge gamblers, as you can see over the last couple of years, right? They wanted to keep a mask on and stay safe. Well, our government officials are pretty weak-kneed as well. And, and so when you're, you know, sending them personal liability, not in your capacity as a school trustee, as a Canadian citizen, you cannot sexually assault somebody when you go into the workplace. You can't assault them. You can't slap them in the face as a term of them being able to work there. You cannot physically assault them. You cannot extort them. These are criminal. These are crimes in, in the criminal code. 
So is extortion and intimidation. And so is doing a, a medical procedure and advising one when you don't have those qualifications. So the Minister of Education, she decided to tell the school boards to vote whether the school staff and the teacher should be jabbed. Well, they're not medical professionals either. And so all of this association uh, letter went out to all of them. So I said, okay, team, now we're going to serve every single school board trustee in BC, as well as I'm going to write a cover letter to them saying, hey, your association has lied to you. You are not immune from liability. You are responsible like every other Canadian. And so by the end of October, they started to vote. And one after another, they started to vote no. That was very wise of them. So I said, quick, let's make a page and put all 60 school districts on here. And then in bold red, I was really happy every time putting voted no. And then was waiting for a voted yes, and it didn't come. And so we kept going all the way through. I think we had about 27 of the 60 by November. And then uh, all of a sudden it went silent. I guess they didn't like all the voted no's and Bonnie Henry and the rest of them were trying to regroup and rethink. So this guy, Kevin Cardell, is the superintendent in Kelowna, who's a key person in all of this, especially with the sexualization of our children. And um, he tried to do a fast one to the teachers and school staff in a little email. But of course, somebody gave it to me and I started addressing that with him. And, and so as we went... By the time 22, 2022 came along, we had 30 voted no's. The rest of them never voted because I guess they were waiting to see what happened. And by April, Bonnie Henry lifted the mandates for uh, the jabs in BC for, for the school staff. We got 10,000 medical professionals who still cannot work right now in British Columbia. It is the worst province in the country and it's the worst place in the world. They're shipping people in to give health care. We have a real critical situation there. But I was in meetings with medical professionals, nurses, but there was two people in that meeting undermining my notices of liability. So instead of doing what I had done here, I wonder where it would have been if they had all gotten behind me, all served the notice of liability to the College of Physicians and whoever else it was. And I wonder if they would have been working today. People just needed to say, no way, Jose. <laughs> and um, so anyway, so I want to, to do this because what you see here is the success of this campaign. We're using everything we've got and we are counting on it that most citizens are not gambling people in these positions. Now, they're, they're, we're serving the no, uh, SOGI and WinSex Ed notices of liability. They're trying to ban us and block us and do all kinds of other things, and we're doing it with the cities as well. And in this smart city notice of liability, it says this is an exercise in futility because we have the 100% guaranteed charter right to be mobile. We can move wherever we want. You can't tell us what we're going to do. And if they put up barriers, we'll take them down. And so what my appeal is, we've got a fantastic flyer, is that when we form these chapters, we are super hyper-focused on what's happening in the schools with the SOGI and the WinSex said, I'm not going to stop until that is out of our schools. That's the number one. That's the Marxist agenda. Our kids are our future. And every good Marxist and, and uh, dictator has known that you get the minds of the children and, and, and really, you know what, you control the future. And so that's why I have made this one of our number one goals. And so 
I'll get to it, but we have the Win Sex Ed Flyer and the Soji Flyer, and we have had teams going outside of schools until summer break, and they are outside handing parents on the sidewalk on public grounds, and they are handing out these flyers, and parents are like, thank you so much. They have no idea. They're dropping their kids off saying, have a nice day, and they don't know what's going on. And then others are using the smart city flyers and, and doing that. Okay, keep moving along. This uh, global compact on migration and 17 sustainable development goals is part of the World Economic Forum, and, and they want all member nations complying with this because they're going to get rid of world poverty, right? That's their number one goal. They've been working at it for years, right? Trudeau, bless them, all those hundreds of billions or, you know, dollars around the world. Have you seen, is Canada in a better situation or a worse situation than we were eight years ago? All right. In order to create a great socialist environment, you need to impoverish a nation. This is the greatest heist in the history of Canada. They have been taking all of our money and funneling it into the world banks and the IMF. People in third world countries are dying. Okay. We have a horrible situation going on here in Canada. And of course, climate change and all the rest of it. This is a joke. I picture these guys at the Davos all sitting around the table having their $1,000 bottle of wines and whatever else in their big jets, laughing at all of us as they think, oh, what's another goal? Name one. Oh, you know, that's terrific. You know, they'll like, we're a bunch of idiots and we're going to fall for this. Okay? Knowledge is power. And when you have it, you got to share it and use it. <laughs> all right? And that's, that's what we're here for tonight. Get knowledgeable. Understand what's going in, on in the background. I'm not going to bother playing this. It's like, we want a great reset. You know, <laughs> he's such a villain. You know, if it wasn't so serious. Like, I mean, just look at him. He's the most ridiculous person. You know, it's just perfect. I don't know if they actually vetted to find him to lead Davos. I'm not sure how he came into this position, but he's certifiable. Sfaha is certifiable. He should be locked up. He's a dangerous person. Okay, so then we're going to just keep moving along as to what, you know, the WEF is doing. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to make a joke, but I won't do it. It's on one of my pages. All right. Um, okay, so we've heard, who heard what happened to Bud Light? and Target recently. Okay. All right. I'm going to say it's good, kind of. And the reason is you think, are these guys a sucker for punishment? Because who saw the Toronto parade and who, who was uh, supporting that? Did you see the Bud Light banner proudly all after? I mean, these suckers just lost billions of dollars. And now they're, they're at LGBTQ, you know, parade with, the, with their logo on there. So, the ESG is the environmental, social, and governance. It's this criteria now that these geniuses have created for businesses and that they all want to sign up for it because, you know, it all sounds so good. We're going to, you know, yes, as a business, we want a good score. And that, that's what all of this is behind this. So Bud Light wanted a good, a good score because these guys... BlackRock, I think, is 21 million trillion. I wish I could play this video. Look it up. If you go ESG 66 trillion, this guy's brilliant. And for businesses, we're going to put it on our business page because he flies through this information like crazy. And, and so what happens is, is Bud Light lost that billions of dollars. But believe me, these guys are giving him a pat on the back saying, well done, you know? Okay, who knows what DEI is? Okay, diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
So everybody really thinks they're doing a good thing by going along with the DEI, uh, uh, DEI but evolves around fake social justice. And they say, seek the fair treatment of all people, particularly groups who have been underrepresented or subject to discrimination. CEI. I hadn't heard of this one until this gentleman talked about it. Corporate Equality Index is the national benchmarking tool on corporate policies, practices, and benefits pertinent to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer employees. I mean, can, can you know, come on, right? Is this what, because he's going, why would these businesses do that? Don't they care about the consumer? I mean, we had guys grabbing these Bud Light cans and rolling with a big, what are those, the big cement rollers or something over them. I mean, you're telling guys that drink beer, right? These are, these are, you know, some want to call them the real men, and you got a trans person on the can. I mean, that's not good marketing, in my opinion, and it turned out I'm kind of right. So as he goes through this video, near the end, he goes to, um, oh darn, I'm going to forget the name of LinkedIn which is huge at connecting businesses. LinkedIn came out over this, and he says, you need to get rid of the ESG and this DEI and the CEI. It's divisive. I mean, LinkedIn is saying this to the businesses, and they're right on. And, and so this uh, DEI as well, if you talk about what the critical race theory and uh, Christopher uh, Rufo down in the States, R-U-F-O, follow him. I'm going to bring him up in a second. He's fabulous. He writes on critical race theory. We've got him on our page under critical race theory. And, and I mean, he just tells you the history of it and what's behind it. And, but as far as this, they are trying to get businesses to all sign up. And because they so desperately want a good score, right, they are going to do what was unthinkable. What was unthinkable. And so we need to get out to businesses and educate them. DEI, we were just talking about all this diversity, inclusion, garbage. It's crap. I'm sorry. I'm just saying it straight out. So I, when I found out about Richard, everywhere I'm go, going, I'm going to honor this man. He is the principal that ended up committing suicide because of the uh, smear campaign, white supremacist, and all the rest that he was called going to DEI training because he questioned the trans individual, Zorro or Zorko or something or rather that was, you know, responsible for this. These are not nice, loving people. It is not love and diversity. It is not lovely at all what's going on on the other side. There is no diversity and there is no inclusion. As long as you agree with them, you'll be okay. I mean, I've had some serious, horrible, nasty threats as I was leaving to come on this tour. I don't give it time, right? Don't tell me that you're loving. If we have a difference of opinion, go live your life. Just leave our kids alone. This is what it's about. Leave our kids alone. Okay, I'm almost at that point where I'm going to go all things win sex ed. And so just another thing we need to be aware of is this whole climate change propaganda. Last uh, week or week, week before, we had uh, Robert on our show, and I'll, I think his page is right here. And we ended up, um, you know all the fires that are taking place and being set. Okay, so Robert is an arborist. He loves plants. He studied them his whole life. And now he is um, considered a, a forensic arborist. <laughs> he's actually given himself that name because when he was, he's in California, 
and he was seeing all of these fires in 38 different fires and he's like oh my goodness I'm looking at this and that doesn't look right one everything is white ash the other these trees that are highly flammable flammable are still standing with their needles or leaves on it and so he started to go out to uh, I think it was 168 or 138 times to these locations 38 locations and only three of them that he could determine were natural fires and there is some sort of weaponry being used and he, we've sort of got this microwave and so he starts talking about how trees are burning from the inside out this was from a couple of years ago in Portland and the you know on the mainstream news they were like oh you know this is so odd these trees are burning from the inside here is another bit of evidence on that and the irregularities they're saying these are anomalies this does not happen especially he talks about the water content in these types of trees I'm not an arborist so I try I won't try to butcher this in more explaining under the ground is burning they're finding these unusual fires under the ground and you'll see this and he says it's not right out in the middle of nowhere it's by people's homes that's very odd and then it's got to do with the metals and how it's conducting so the metal will, will burn but the wood won't and you have fires that um, where there's these cars with their windshields melted with trees standing right beside it and the leaves still on and in uh, degrees 2500 degrees it takes to melt glass and a typical fire burns at 1427 degrees what the heck is going on what's behind these fires right and then the facts don't lie but politicians do <laughs> i love that this is these are the pages i create you know i'm at midnight going yeah that's right <laughs> having a little chuckle i'm sending this out right <laughs> all by myself well with my dogs <laughs> okay and and so the fire you know seasons were fairly regular and i guess this doesn't fit their climate change i mean have you watched the weather network what a joke i accidentally turned it on the other day and i'm like oh my goodness i can't stand watching this like you liars <laughs> like along with CNN the rest of them I'm angry you know because they're deceiving people to believe that you know they show these pictures with the sky all red and fires but they're setting them they are setting them so Robert's going to be coming on again but I highly I highly encourage you to go and read this information the other one I'm going to talk about because I'm going to go into Ontario and this immigration the government is flooding with us with immigrants I'm from Surrey massive amount of South Asians I've got very nice neighbors but I can hardly communicate with any of them now we're being flooded with Muslims burqas top to bottom I'm sorry I'm gonna say it out loud that concerns me you know what my mom was ministering to one of the ladies the other day and she ended up having tears on her eyes in her eyes funny thing was I had walked by her with my dogs and I was like in the name of Jesus you know I was praying as I was walking by and you know because I'm sorry if you're not with Jesus these are demonic forces that are coming these are false gods and what does God say you shall have no other gods before me and and I didn't know that I was praying all this down and I was quite a ways from my home and she was walking straight up and my mom was out watering my garden and she started a conversation with her and ended up talking to her about the Lord so we do have a mission field as well but I mean if we're not strong if these people aren't coming in and being expected to integrate uh, you know and assimilate they don't even uh, swear on a Bible anymore when people come become Canadian citizens I'm sorry I have a problem with that we are a sovereign nation and if we don't maintain our sovereignty where in the world are we gonna go right 
Why is it that they all get to be sovereign and run the way they want to, but we're racist if we bring this up? I already said that I don't care about, I don't give a hoot about the color of anybody's skin. All right, so fire, climate change, and migrants. So now, all of a sudden, if you read this report, it's very highly inflated. Air quality has plummeted during, during recent weeks because of wildfire smoke uh, made worse by adverse effects of climate change in an unprecedented fire season. Right? This is good. But as Canada battles environmental emergencies, advocates are asking if the country is ready to play its part in global crisis of climate migrants. So... They say that the only way people could migrate to Canada if they were being persecuted, but now they're saying we need legislation that focuses on a definition of climate migrants. All right. We need a moratorium on immigration because we can't, it's not sustainable. That word, it, it, you know, choke on it. They have perverted the English language and using it, and it doesn't mean what it is. This is what it's looking like in Toronto. All right, I'll just show you a couple of pictures. Ontario punches above its weight as number one destination of Canada immigrants. Trudeau's Canada migrant tent cities take over Toronto. And, you know, some of these people are being interviewed. They came from Nigeria and wherever else. They left their family there trying to set up for a better life, and now they're living on the street. They got no food. And so one of the things the government is going to do is, did you, talk, did you hear about these, uh, um, what is it, refurbishing malls? I forget what it's, it's called right now. I've missed the term. But they're taking tired malls. They're taking tired malls, and they're basically going to renovate them into 15-minute cities. You know, schooling systems, playgrounds, all the rest of it. Tired malls. Okay, and that's probably maybe the room that they're going to make for this. I'm just reminding you of the current issues and where you can find some of the things that I'm talking about. I don't know why that came up twice. And now this is a really, really important issue. How many of you trust Big Pharma? Come on. Not one believer in big pharma. Okay, so in three and a half years, there's been a lot revealed. It's backfiring on them. They, there was something like uh, 10% of people didn't get their kids uh, vaccinated, or it was maybe 1%. I can't remember. Okay, so now it's like up to 10%. So it's backfiring because they wanted, to, they wanted everybody being vaxxed, and now we're finding out you know, that this is causing serious harm. Serious harm. I'm constant. I was in the car everywhere I go with my chapter leaders as we're driving. Terry, the other day, she's telling me about her uncle that just died of a heart attack and her aunt and another uncle. She had like four people in the last few months in her family, all older, who had taken multiple jabs and boosters and were dead. And it's all covered up. Oh, well, they were old or, you know, heart, heart attacks are natural and the rest. Well, two and a half years ago, I knew a young girl who had just graduated and she became paralyzed paralyzed because she was working with elderly people and she wanted to do what was right for her peeps she said beautiful lovely girl it was serious I, I i knew right away i've been dealing you know from the very beginning of this i wrote a, a report right here called government corruption and colluding with a foreign syndicate and i wrote it in march of 2020 i i posted in april of 2020 and in may of 2020 i did a call to action i had about 55,000 people on my email list back then and i said write every single premier send them this report and we are demanding to the Premier, I wrote a letter and said, get your people back to, to work, your citizens. And, and I said, lift these lockdowns. And I said, and read this report and commence an investigation against the federal government. Because it talked about Trudeau, his alignment with Gates. It talked about uh, the 490,000 uh, uh, young kids who were given the polio vaccine in India that were paralyzed. 
Bill Gates, all right? He experiments on people in third world countries. You know, he's a very evil, nasty guy. And he also sterilizes them, you know, many people at the same time going through all of this. And so I wrote this, a very extensive report. I said what would happen to our, um, you know, our parents, um, sorry, to our elderly, to businesses, to our children, and, and I went into hospitals myself in April of 2020 before I, um, sorry, yeah, it might have been early, end of March. And I was recording in April and March. I walked right into an emergency and guess what? Every single one of them were empty. The news would have the tents. I'd walk by the tents and I'd, wow, you know, my mom would be in the car and we went 20 minutes to each hospital. And these were large hospitals empty emergencies. And I added it all in my report. And I look back at that report now and I go, holy smokes, everything. So in June of 2020, I went to headquarters for the RCMP and I'd met with, uh, he was assistant at the time. Now he's deputy head of it. He says he's a Christian. His dad was a pastor and had passed away in the Surrey Memorial Hospital. And he admitted when I was meeting with him that the hospitals were empty. And I'm saying the prime minister must be making backroom deals with the premier's. And I says, because they're implementing, the federal government never implemented the emergency uh, order. Never. Okay? It was the provinces. And in BC, they passed it for, through first reading. We found out about it, and then quickly through second and third reading. This is done unlawfully, all of it. There was not one order that's done as illegal. None of it is official. Okay? They never followed proper procedures. So here we are now, and now we've got all these vaccines. And what we're learning is that um, the childhood vaccines are causing a lot of harm to our kids. A lot of harm. If you go to an Amish community, kid, those kids don't have autism. They don't have a lot of the diseases, eczema, all right, hay fever, you name it. And it's all coming out. And so we've got awesome videos here. I've done an awesome video on childhood vaccines with uh, Dr. Tenpenny. Just adore her and love her. And then a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Dr. McCullough on. And you, this one was going viral. I'll show you the link in a minute. But I want you to see this. This, in, in, in back in the 60s for myself, it was uh, four vaccines and 16 doses. 2022, it was 72 doses and 18 vaccines. They're going to incorporate the COVID vaccine in the schedule for our kids. It will be 108 doses. This is toxic material going into our kids. Toxic. And so with Dr. McCullough, he ended up uh, taking a clip. In the last 60 years, no childhood disease has exploded like autism from 1 in 10,000 to 1 in 36. Okay, this is not by coincidence, it's by design. It's, uh, yeah, like I said, it, it got a lot of, it reached a lot of people. So we are trying to say on that page, and you can see the childhood vaccines is under that section. And we're just saying, I know it's a real, again, knee-jerk reaction. It's like, oh, no, no, we all trusted having, you know, the vac childhood vaccines or immunizations, but it's not working. And when they invented the vaccines, already the diseases had already nearly bottomed out to zero. And the reason the big drop from when there was, you know, rubella and mumps and the rest of it was good health, food, and clean water. And, and, and you know, that's all been uh, 
talked about. And anyways, I just want parents, I'm going to be a grandma. <laughs> I just found out recently in February, my very first grandchild is coming. And after going through all of this research, we've done it. We've done our research. And all we're saying is, I know that these new parents, I wish I could go back. Don't you? Don't you all have some regrets about some decisions we've made about this, right? And so we're going to be on the front line of saying sometimes what's not so popular, but it needs to be said. So we're just saying, educate yourself and then at least make an informed uh, consent and a decision. Look at the research and are you willing to play Russian roulette with your kids? The kids that aren't vaxxed are really truly the healthiest. Welcome back. We're so glad you could spend the evening with us watching Tanya on Tour, part one filmed in Ingersoll, Ontario. And we'd like to invite you to join us for next week's Empower Hour, part two, where Tanya will be providing a deeply disturbing look into what's going on in our education system. The good news is that Tanya ends her presentation with solutions and options to assist parents in protecting their children. So be sure to mark next Wednesday, August 23rd at 5 p.m. Pacific time on your calendars. Tonight's Bible verse is from Psalm 34, verses 15 to 17. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. I'd like to invite you right now to make a choice to live for God. New life begins by committing your life to Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not sure you've ever done this, all you need to do is receive and believe. The Bible promises that to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Will you accept his God's offer? First, believe that God loves you and that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you, and that no matter what you've done, God wants to forgive you. Next, receive Jesus into your life as your Savior and Lord. Receive his forgiveness and begin your new life in Christ. If you need prayer, please be sure to reach out to us. We're so glad you can join us tonight, and we look forward to meeting with you once again next week. Until then, God bless you, and God bless Canada. 